0: Set when he taught. So, besides, it's good to change things up a little bit. Hallelujah! Anybody know what we're talking about? The worth of a soul. You know, I hope this series has caused you to reflect again. You know, on that very topic, the worth of a soul. You know, uh, we think about the cross. We know the estimation that God gave the worth of a soul. But, you know, it's up to us because we're His representatives here. So today, I want to conclude it, and I want to talk about prayer and the royal law of love. You know, taking our place as intercessors, and, and what I'm talking about to, today, it's going to take love because it, it, it's got to be selfless. Most of our praying is about our needs. Nothing wrong with that, but it, that's, that's what it's about. It's praying about my needs, what I need, you know, God... Uh, you need to help me. You need to do, and God wants to do all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the only kind of praying we should be doing. And this, uh, this praying of intercession, it releases—you gonna like this—the wellsprings <laughs> of God's compassion and power to hurting humanity. In other words, this type of praying we're talking about today in the royal law of love—it's about other people. It's about their needs. And really, that's when we really can tell that we are maturing as believers, when it's not all about me anymore. It's not all about my needs. I'm not just conscious and cognizant of, you know, of my needs and my pain and all of that. And it takes, it takes a maturity to set that aside and say, so, you know what? I'm going to lift up someone else. I'm going to pray about somebody else's needs. I'm going to put someone else before me. Amen? So it's very important, and we want to talk about that today. So as we talk about this ministry, we need to understand this is the ministry of Jesus for the last 2,000 years. You think about it. In three days, Jesus ratified the new covenant. And for 2,000 years, he's been interceding as our high priest. Wow. Aren't you glad you got somebody praying for you? Oh, yeah, sometimes, you know, when I don't know what to pray for and I'm praying in the Spirit, you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes I'm just led. I say, I'm agreeing with my high priest, whatever. He's interceding for me right now. Father, I, you said if two will agree, so I'm just coming into agreement with Jesus. May it be done unto me according to your prayers. Somebody say, I never heard anybody talk like that. Well, you know, you have. Well, see, I, here's the thing. I believe what the Bible says. If he's praying for me, I don't think Jesus is praying in vain. Do you? If he's saying, a, if he's interceding for us, I'm telling you, it's doing me some good. It's doing you some good. So don't let your unbelief block his prayers. Amen. So that ministry has been passed down to us as, a, as his body, the ministry of intercession. And I like to call it, uh, refer to it as prayer and the royal law of love because it takes love. Selfish person can't do this. Turn to Ezekiel. Let's just remind ourselves of some truths. Probably most of you know these truths, but it won't hurt for you to be reminded of them. And there might be someone who is not aware of this. Ezekiel twenty two thirty. Intercession is standing in the gap for someone else using our kingly authority in prayer. You know, the Bible says we're kings and priests. Kings and priests. Ruling and ministry. We have two, uh, we have a dual role, just like Jesus. He's a king and a priest. We're kings and priests. It also means to act as a go-between, like an umpire between two parties. And also, the third connotation is it's somebody who comes alongside to help carry the load. Now, we know the Holy Spirit, we'll look at that briefly today, He's... He intercedes for us. Romans 8 tells us that. He's, he's that one who comes alongside that paraclete, isn't he? But you know what? We can be a paraclete for somebody else, as it were. And We can begin to carry that same priestly anointing that is on Jesus because we're part of his body. We can take that same priestly uh, administration, if you will, and power of the Spirit and begin to intercede to bring breakthrough for our families, for our neighbors, for our enemies. <laughs> Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. 30, God's speaking. He said, I look for someone among them. Who's he looking for? He's looking among his people. Someone among Passion Church, someone among, whoever, wherever you go, church, if you're watching online, if it's not Passion Church, where you go, he's looking for someone among his people, he said, who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. God's not wanting to judge. He says, man, I'm looking everywhere I can to try to find someone. Someone. Can God find someone here at Passion Church? Someone that will stand in the gap with the Lord Jesus Christ in His intercessory ministry. And listen, you have the ability to do it. You have the anointing to do it. You are well equipped to do it. Don't think, well, my pr-. see. The thing the devil likes to get each one of us is to say, well, you know, my praying or my faith or my giving or my serving or it's so small it can't. It, see, that's the lie he wants to serve up to you. He said, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. God doesn't want to judge. You know, I hear all the time people say, well, God's going to judge America. Well, not if He can find someone. Now, if He can't find someone, we, we're going to be in big trouble. But if He can find someone, He said, he said it's not my will to destroy it. He said, but I couldn't find no one. So, or because of this, I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their heads all they've done, declares the sovereign Lord. But he's looking for someone who will be a go-between, who will stand in the gap, who will dare to intercede. But like I said, it's going to take the love of God. Because I'm going to tell you, if you just look at it in the natural, you just get disgusted. You feel like praying one of those David prayers over there. God busts their teeth. (laughs) Come on, don't look at me so holy. You know you've wanted to do that. You know, some people acted up. (laughs) You know, but, you know, let's let God do the teeth busting. And let's let us be one He finds to intercede. To intercede. To be the go-between. To stand in between the living and the dead. Isn't that what Jesus does? Between the living and the dead, He took upon Himself our sin, our sicknesses, our judgment. We can stand in the gap, as it were, and pray and lift up. Our nation, our family members that are not saved, our neighbors. You know, the old potty mouth at the office? Come on. And we begin to pray. We begin to pray. We begin to pray. Listen, let me just remind you of some intercessors. Abraham is one of the first people we see being used as an intercessor. Just write this down, you'll have to turn to it. Genesis 20. He's praying for Abimelech, who was a a prince there in Canaan, king in Canaan, and and Abraham uh, interceded for him and his whole household because he couldn't have any children. So Abraham, did you know Abraham was a prophet? You did? Well, good for you. You're a Bible scholar because it's only mentioned one place, and that's in Genesis 20. Because remember... Abraham, bless his heart. See, Abraham wasn't perfect either. Abraham had a wife problem. (laughs) By that, I don't mean she was a problem to him. He had a problem with her because every time he went somewhere, he'd get her to lie. Tell him you're my sister. Now, that was a half truth. How many know a half truth is a lie? But he did it when he went to Egypt, didn't he? And then he turns around and does it again here with Abimelech. She must have been some beautiful woman because that was his excuse every time. And I mean, they were in their 80s now, so I mean. Anyway, so Abimelech had, you know, taken her like Pharaoh in Egypt had and was going to take her for a wife, and God said, you better not touch her. He said he said that he said she's the wife of Abraham and he's my prophet. That's the only place I know of that ever mentioned Abraham's a prophet. So if you knew that that's good for you. So Abraham interceded as God's representative, as God's prophet. He interceded for Abimelech and Abimelech's whole household was healed. And was able to to, to have they were able to, to have children and and their families to grow. Then Daniel. So he was a healing for a, a king and a family. Then Daniel, we know this. He was an intercessor for his nation, wasn't he? In captivity. Listen, in captivity, in Babylon. Listen, where are we living? Come on, I'm not one. St- I'm not trying to kick our nation and all that. But I'm going to tell you what. This ain't the nation uh, of your fathers, and certainly not the nation of your grandfathers. Come on, our nation has changed, and not for the better. I know some people don't like that. Oh, but we're more inclusive than everywhere. Yeah, just like a garbage dump. It'll take anything, you know? So we need to be praying for our nation. And in, even in Babylon, Daniel, he interceded. He set himself. He saw in the Scriptures that God had a different plan and purpose for Israel than captivity in Babylon. And even though they were there, that was a circumstance. That was his reality. That was, the, that was what he saw every day. He was even serving Babylon. But yet, he served God in the midst of serving Babylon. See, that tells us that if we will learn to intercede and pray, yeah, we may be in Babylon. We may have to pay taxes to Caesar. But I'm going to tell you what. We're praying. We're believing God. We see something better for our nation. We see something better for our families. We see something better for our cities. And this is what Daniel did as an intercessor. That's what an intercessor does. They can see what God wants to be, not just what is, but what God, God desires to do. In a family. What God desires to do in a city, in a community, and pray for it. It's easy to curse the darkness. It's another thing to light a candle. That's really what intercessors are about. They're shining the light. They're shining the light through prayer, through their faith. They're making declarations, just like Daniel did. He said, I saw where God said, after 70 years, he's going to visit Israel. You know, he could have just looked around and said, Well, I don't understand. It's been 70 years. I guess God didn't mean what he said. No, you know what he did? He went to praying. He went to praying. He went to praying. And he began to pray. And the prince of Persia was defeated. And the will of God was released for the nation of Israel. Because one man, what did he say? I had to look for a person. In this case, it was a man. But so often the times, and you we can see that throughout the scriptures, so many, think, everybody say, thank God for the women. So so often they're the ones that's doing the praying, the bulk of the praying. Listen, I've been at this 40 years, and I'm going to tell you as a pastor, if it wasn't for the women, the church would be in trouble. I'm not, I, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm glad for every man I see in this place. But I want to tell you historically, you know, here it's been the women. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And then we see that Jesus is the intercessor for the whole world, isn't he? The Bible says, let's turn over there to Romans 8. The Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession. What what's he living for? To make intercession. He's not praying for himself. He ain't got no need, personally speaking. He's doing all right. Amen. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and all authority is under his feet. I mean, he's been given all power in heaven and earth and under the earth. So he's doing all right. Like I said, if the streets are gold, you can imagine what the throne room looks like. It's just full of the glory and the light of God the light that no man can approach cherubim seraphim worshiping singing worship going on thunderings coming out and jesus interceding hallelujah in Romans 8 it says right here let's look verse 20 uh, verse 31 what then shall we say in response to these things if god is for us who can be against us If God is for us, who can be against us? How do we know that God is for us? Because He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How much will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who has been raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You have an advocate. You have an intercessor. His name is Jesus. He is your high priest as well as your Savior. And He is interceding. King James says it this way. He ever lives to make intercession. He's interceding for you. His very presence emanates prayers for His people, for the church to be, to come into the fullness of the plan and purpose and maturity that He's called us to be. He's working 24-7. 24-7. He's praying. Amen. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit also is our intercessor. Wow. Look, Look up in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for, for us, and we can say also through us, through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, harmonizing. That's what intercession does. It brings the will of God and the will of man in alignment. The Holy Spirit knows our hearts. And the Holy Spirit knows the mind of the Spirit. And so he brings them together. And when he brings them together, that's when the will of God's done. What did Jesus pray in Gethsemane? Not my will, but your will be done. Even Jesus in his humanity prayed that way. How much more (laughs) do we? So as intercessors, we have Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit. And every time we choose to intercede and pray, we also are aligning ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit and with the will of God that's in heaven coming into the earth. For your family, for our communities, for our city, for our nation, for the nations of the world. And the sooner God's will is done, the sooner we wrap this up, Jesus comes back and we all get to where we want to go get on with this thing. I, I'm, I can't wait to see what's going next. But first, we got a job to do. Uh, look in Job chapter 9 over there. We said that not only is the intercession, but it's a go-between. It's an umpire. Notice what Job did. Anybody familiar with the story of Job? I'm telling you what. The longer I live, the more I Oh, Job's going high up on my opinion meter, way up there. Way up there. I said way up there. (laughs) Verse 33, he says, If only there were someone to mediate between us. He's talking about between himself and God. Now, most Bible scholars say Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Someone to bring us together. You know what God did in Christ Jesus? And here's Job. He's going through. You know all he's going through. A righteous man going through extreme difficulties. And not nearly with the insight that we have open to us. He said, if only there was someone to mediate between us. A go-between. Someone to bring us together. Someone to remove God's rod from me. So that the terror would not frighten me no more. Then I would... I would speak up without fear, but as it now stands with me, I cannot. He said, if I just had someone. One translation says, I wish I had someone that could place one hand on my shoulder and one hand on God. A go-between. That's what Jesus is for us, isn't it? The ultimate go-between, the God-man. Now he lives to make intercession. He's the go-between, and he's called us to do that. Now I wanted you to, to see that. Now turn to Psalm 110 real quickly. I want you, I'm going to hopefully you're going to get just a, maybe a little bit of revelation here about this. Psalm 110. This is a messianic psalm by the prophet David. David also was a king and a priest and a prophet, a type of Jesus. Psalm 110, verse 1, says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, just a reminder, you remember over there in Genesis, after Abraham had gone out and defeated the kings, the, the five kings you know that had gotten lot and everything brought everything back, then the the high priest Melchizedek. Now, a lot of Bible scholars believe this was a a, a, a pre uh, what I'm looking for, of Jesus Christ. In other words, before he took upon himself flesh, this was a, an appearance of Jesus Christ because he is called a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And you think about, here's Abraham, the friend of God, the father of our faith, a prophet, this great man, he gave Melchizedek a tithe of everything. But I want you to notice something here. He says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Christ is revealed as king and priest, and He is ruling right now, even in the midst of His enemies. And He has called us alongside with him as kings and priests, and we are to rule in the midst of our enemies. Isn't that what Daniel was doing? He was, he was considered a captive. If you'd asked, you know, the leading families of Babylon, they would have looked at Daniel and said, listen, he's a second-class citizen here. He is a slave." Yet we all know when you look and see the story unfolding during David's life—I mean, uh, during uh, Daniel's life—he was in charge. Hello, he was in charge. <laughs> if it wasn't for 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 him, I'm telling you, Babylon would have gone down a lot quicker. They had all kind of regime changes in Babylon. Remember that? The Persians came in, and then the other, uh, the Medes came in at different ones. But there's there's Daniel. He just getting promoted every time a regime change he got promoted he just so you know we know he was in charge he was ruling in the midst of his enemies listen Jesus as a king he rules as a priest he intercedes and he says you have a scepter or a rod from Zion the rod of your strength represents his authority and that authority is released not only in his kingly ministry but also in his priestly ministry We rule and reign with Him in the same way. And the rod of our authority is the name of Jesus. Do you know you have a scepter of authority as a king and a priest? That when you intercede, you're not only acting as a a priest, but you're also still in that role as a king. And as you intercede as a priest, you use the kingly scepter, the authority of the name of Jesus to bring into order what God has spoken. For your family. We've been talking about household salvation. See, when you begin to pray and you begin to use that kingly authority, you know what? Your troops will be waiting. Come on. Who are your troops? They're the angels of heaven. The angels of God. Come on. The Bible says they hearken unto the voice of God. And see, when we take our place with the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit as kings and priests and we're interceding, you know what? We're speaking as one voice with them, and they hearken to the voice of our kingly intercessions as priests. He says, your troops will be waiting on the day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. We know one angel defeated Destroyed 186,000 armed men and army in one night? One. Well, I got news for you. There's more than one. Hallelujah. I mean, you got one assigned to you. And I believe if we'll take our role as intercession, we, we, we might find that there are more assigned. Come on. So here's the thing. we got to use our rod of authority, the name of Jesus, in kingly and priestly intercession. This is the right and the privilege of every believer. I believe it with all my heart. Every believer, everyone, we can do that. Let's talk about, just for a few minutes, about prayer and the royal law of love. prayer and the royal law of love nothing I believe so taps into the love of God in our hearts as does intercessory prayer and intercessory prayer I mean it's when we pray for another we take up the needs of another we take up the burdens of another we take up the weights and the, and and the the difficulties of other people we lift them up in prayer it's kind of like you you know you see me walk walking down the road and I'm you could see I'm struggling, trying to carry this this big weight. I've got and everything, and you pull up, you know. and You got, you know, one of them Dodge Ram 1500, you know, supercharged thing, you know. And you see me over there struggling, and you you pull up and say, "Well, Pastor Nars, how's it going?" <laughs> well, I, well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing okay, I guess, you know. I, I'm, I'm trying to get this over to the house. Well, well, how far you live from here? Oh, I got about another 10 miles. Well, God bless you. I hope you have a good day. You drive on off. How dwells the love of God in you? Would you could help me put that on the back of your truck. Come on. What did James say over there? He said, we see people in need, and we say, be thou warmed and filled. That's not intercession. That's religiosity. That's that's pertinence, pharisaical. Come on. No, I'm telling you. No, that's when we back the truck up and we help you load it up. We're going to get it over to the house. Then we're not just going to set it in the yard. We're going to help you get it where you want it. See, we we intercede for people. And see, sometimes intercession is not just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. There's some... Some burdens that'll only be lifted as we pray. That doesn't mean we intercede 24/7 because we don't have an immortal body like Jesus. But we will intercede. Excuse me. We will intercede at times, and then you know that'll lift, and we'll go about doing our business. But then the Holy Spirit will prompt us again. We pray over that situation again. This is a situation as intercessors. We can pray over a situation repeatedly. Say so if you're praying for the the, the salvation of a lost one, you can pray over them repeatedly. God, I thank you that you're opening their hearts. I thank you, Lord, that the light of the gospel is going to shine into them. I come against the spirit of this world that would darken their minds in the name of Jesus. Devil, you take your hands off of them. God, I thank you. You're going to send laborers by their their path. Their heart's going to be open. I thank you, Father. I claim their salvation. They shall live and not die. They will not perish. It is not your will. You call their name. See, you can pray that and then pray in the Spirit because the Holy Ghost knows how to pray. And then all of a sudden, as you're praying in the Spirit, you'll get some understanding. You pray that out. Amen. You pray the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? God's not willing that any should perish. If if God's not willing that any should perish, then Bill or Tom or Susan or whatever their name is, He's not willing that they should perish. So if you're not willing, I'm not willing. And if two of us shall agree as touching on anything, it shall be done. You begin to pray and intercede, and you use the name of Jesus. You use a scepter. You've been given. Then you speak up and say, all right, angels of God. You go forth now in Jesus' name. You go forth battle in battle array. You go forth now. On behalf of these, this one I'm praying over, my, my community, my nation, we release the holy angels of God. You say, oh, isn't there a lot of audacity in that? Yeah, kings have audacity. Yeah, If you've never been around a king, you don't know. You know, you read stories about people who are, are very well known in the world. I mean, very popular, you know, for different reasons and all. They go to Buckingham Palace and they almost, you know, can't get their mouth open. Just being around the queen or being around the king because there's a presence there. It's not about them per se, but it's a presence there. And you have a presence that you need to, that the devil recognizes. And not only the devil, but the heaven recognizes. Angels recognize it. The only one that doesn't is you. I think about this, there's an old Disney movie, now I'm going to give away my age again, called The Prince and the Pauper. I think it's based on a book, actually. You know, where these two look-alikes, one's, one's a prince, an heir to the throne, the other one's, you know, just a, a pauper. So they decide they're going to change places. And the prince takes on the role of the pauper and the pauper the king. And it goes on talking about the difficulties they run into. See, if you've got a pauper mentality and you're trying to rule from the throne, it's going to be nothing but trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. And see, that's too many of God's people. We've got a pauper mentality even though we're kings and priests. Hallelujah. We've got to change our mentality. That's the Word of God's given to us. So we take our place as kings. We have a rod, of a scepter. Of strength the name of Jesus our position in Christ Jesus seated in the heavenly places far above far above all principality power might and dominion far above seated with him kings and priests we begin to intercede and we begin to pray we take on that kingly role we rule we make some you ever seen a king that ruled that didn't make some decrees Man, I'm telling you, that's why he has, you know, they have two or three, sometimes more scribes because they're constantly writing down the decrees of the king. He's said, all right, we're going to do this. We're not going to do that. This is going to happen. That's not going to happen. This is the way it's going to be. That's not the way it's going to be. You know, and I would encourage you, you know, get you a journal. And as you're interceding for a situation or for someone, write down those things. Because the Holy Spirit will prompt you at times to make decrees. Write those things down. Then you go back to them and make that decree again say, hey, I've made a decree. Heaven's in agreement and I'm in agreement with heaven. Hallelujah. So nothing taps in like intercessory prayer. This is what we're talking about. You begin to declare some things. I said this before, but I want to say it again. Prayer is releasing the wellsprings of God's divine will and power to deliver a hurting and needy humanity. How many believe that it's possible that everybody in the world could be saved? Is there enough grace for that? Let me put it that way. Did the blood of Jesus... Cover that. Amen? Is is the the supernatural power of God could could cause a new birth in six and a half billion people? Well, a little less than that because there's about two and a half billion already born again. Four billion people. He could do that, couldn't he? The only thing. So it's not a problem of heaven's will. It's not a problem of heaven's resources. It's not a problem of heaven's grace. It's not a problem of heaven's power, is it? So where's the problem? Us, God's people. God's people. Listen, I'm not looking to the Republican and the Democratic Party to intercede for this nation. They're not not the salvation of this nation. Come on. I don't care which flavor you are. Don't matter to me. That's just a man thing. I'm talking about something bigger than that. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the will of God. I'm talking about eternal destinies here. Amen. God can use whichever party he wants to. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I mean he used I mean he used kings in, in Babylon, didn't he? They weren't even saved and he used them. I, mean, I don't mean I'm gonna emulate them though. So as we pray and intercede, we take our place. As kings and priests, we begin to intercede. We begin to de- make God's declarations. We make g- these edicts from God's Word as prompted by the Holy Spirit. We begin to speak them over our loved ones. We let the devil know as we serve notice. No, you cannot have my family. You will not have my family. It's an impossibility. Because I'm seen in the heavenly places far above you. My authority, fart seizures. My access to the, uh, to the power of the universe, fart seizures. How can he win? He can't win unless we do nothing. So interceding for our family and nation can only be sustained through God's love. The flesh will get tired. It, listen... You get down and do some serious praying. It's W-O-R-K. I'm not talking about this, oh, God bless me, my four, us four, no more, God bless you. No, I'm talking about when you're getting down to it. You're praying in the Spirit. You're making some decrees. I mean, in the Holy Ghost comes a hold alongside you. You begin to groan. You begin to pray, and you begin to speak. You do, i tell you what, you do that for an hour. I'm telling you what, you're ready for a nap. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. but Now, you young'uns might not. But you know what I'm saying. It's it's work. Man, you pray. He said the fervent prayer of the righteous person avails much. Not these little milk toasty prayers. The fervent prayer. There's a place for fervency in our prayer life. Some, you know, some people, you just need to get some passion about something. What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about seeing your loved ones saved? Are you passionate about seeing God's will done? Remember when Jesus drove out all the money changers from the temple? And the Scripture says, they remembered he, where it was written, the zeal of your house has consumed me. Woo! Man, I'm telling you. I believe with all my heart the Holy Ghost moved on Jesus and I mean I mean he made that whip and buddy I'm telling you what you better get out of his way. Amen. The Spirit of God came on. The Spirit of God came on David in worship and he danced with all his might. Danced right out of his clothes. Oh my God, that can't be God. Come on. <laughs> Let me remind you. 1 Corinthians, look over there. It's going to take the love of God, the agape love, to sustain this kind of intercession. Because it's it's not going to benefit me. It's not going to benefit my flesh. It's not going to benefit my pocketbook. I already lost some of you right there, didn't I? Hope not. Hope not. I shouldn't say that. Hope not. First Corinthians thirteen: Love is patient. Listen, it takes patience to intercede. Because I'm going to tell you, you start praying. Sometimes it looks like they get worse before they get better. Come on, because I'm telling you that that devil feel, you start interceding, the devil feels the pressure. Amen. He feels the pressure. He don't like it. He'll react, and he's hoping when he reacts that you'll just say, "Okay, never mind." Love is patient. Love is kind does not envy. Well, God, what about me? I mean, you always turn me up to pray for this one, that one, the other. What about me? What about me? Love is not envy. It does not boast, not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Is your, you already examine your prayer life. Is it, is it self-seeking all the time? It's not easily angered. keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So if God's love, this agape love, is prompting our intercession, we've got this confidence, we won't fail. We cannot fail. Listen, God's going going to do what He's going to do until He has success the way He wants success to look. See, we look at things now and say, well, boy, I'll tell you what, if God's in charge, we're in trouble. Well, I got news for you. God ain't finished yet. I said, God's not finished yet. He's still working. But here's the problem. Sometimes he's got a bunch of blockheads he's working through. Come on. You know, (laughs) if you asked, if you gave Cindy a document to translate from English to Spanish and you gave me that same document. In 20 years, I'd still be working on it. She'd be through in 20 minutes. Come on. See, sometimes it's what God's got to work with. We, we want to blame God, but it's what He's got to work with. You know? Are you willing? See, you've got to be willing because God says, I'm looking for someone. I'm looking for someone. Are you someone he can find, someone who is willing, someone who will yield, someone who, is, who will actually pray when prompted for something besides what benefits you? He's looking for someone, church. And he says, if I find that someone, he says, I'm going to work through them. And God's going to get done what he wants to get done. And if he can't use us, then he'll raise up the next generation. If you don't believe that, ask Israel. Amen. He gave them forty years; they wouldn't respond. He just raised up a whole new generation. And says, "Bless God, give us the land. We'll go in and take it." You know, if we won't we won't take it, then our kids will. If our kids won't take it, our grandkids will. But God's going to find somebody. His will is going to be done. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. I don't have to be. I don't have to have the chief part, but I'm going to do my part, whatever that part is. I'm going to do it, and if we all do our part, hallelujah. I want to look over here, James chapter two, real quick. Are y'all getting anything out of this? James chapter two. verse 8 he said if you really keep the royal law found in scriptures love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right this is why I call it prayer and the royal law of love when we take our place this is what Jesus has been doing for 2000 years as an intercessor what love is that he just won't quit he just won't give up On you, He didn't give up on me. He won't give up on our family members. If we won't give up on them, He won't give up on them. We'll just walk in that love, the royal law of love, and let the Holy Spirit use us as intercessors. Yeah, I mean, you probably can't see it on camera there, but we've got a receptacle right down here in front of me on the altar there. It's overflowing with names of family members, loved ones that Jesus died for, that Jesus has been interceding for. And He's waiting for us to step up and step into our place because He's not willing that they should perish. This church building would be full, Passion Church, if just these people. We ain't even got to reach our community yet. If we just reach our household members, there wouldn't be room in here. Instead of us looking for the next blessing we can get, What about us looking to be the next blessing we can be? (laughs) I'm telling you. Love never gives up or gives in. It perseveres and it never fails. In Galatians 5, it says that love is what energizes, motivates our faith. Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You talk about faith. Listen, when you begin to intercede, that's all it is. You intercede for a family member that's lost. There's no evidence there except your faith. There's nothing to prompt you and motivate you except God's love. No wonder he says, it's faith expressing itself through love. Hallelujah. All right. I think I want to read one more scripture and then we're going to share some things with you here. James 5 verse 7. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. You know, I believe with all my heart we're going to hear more and more about the Lord's coming. When I got saved almost 50 years ago in the Jesus movement, boy, you used to hear about the coming of the Lord. I mean, man, you'd, that, that, was, that was one of the messages that was being emphasized. The soon return of the Lord. You know, if you read through the Scriptures here, the church... In the early days, that was one of the themes. You see it in Paul's letters. You see it in all their letters was, you know, the Lord is at hand. We've lost that, I think, in the church at large. We've lost that sense of urgency. The Lord is coming. And remember what Jesus said. He said, said, don't be like that householder that abused their position and abused their authority and abused the resources of the Master and when the master suddenly came, they weren't ready to meet him. He said, be patient then, brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. I believe that with all my heart. I know that's old fashioned as he can get, but I don't care. I believe he's coming back. And he's going to bring two things with him, reward and judgment. You decide which one you want. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Listen, as we pray and intercede, one of the things that the Holy Spirit will prompt us to do is to pray for the precious fruit of the earth, the harvest And he says, we've got to be like the farmer. We've got to learn as we intercede and pray for that rain, the rain of the Holy Ghost to come down to ripen the harvest. He said, we've got to be patient just like the farmer. The farmer knows there is a due season to prepare the earth, to sow the seed, to to water the seed so it can grow. But when it does, the harvest comes. And I believe this with all my heart. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is right on the heels of the harvest. right on the heels of the harvest. Mm-hmm. The heels of the harvest. When you see harvest time come, you can know that the coming of the Lord is near. What, what delays His coming? He's not willing that the harvest, He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Listen, Jesus didn't die so 20 people could make it or 20,000. Or 20 million why do you think there's six and a half billion people here Jud's planning a big harvest he's got plans for a big harvest what are our plans for well I'm not responsible for six and a half billion but we can start by being responsible for our families and then from there to our community and from our community to our city we but we start somewhere don't we we start with the 1, we start with the 2, we start with the 3, but we start somewhere, and we do our part. All right, let me read you a couple of points here to drive home, hopefully, this message today. What is your prayer life balance? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs God, that, that, a, that an unjust balance is an abomination to God. What is your prayer life balance? Is it just about you and your concerns? I mean, be, be honest with yourself before God. What do you pray about the most? <laughs> are you using the rod of your authority, the name of Jesus, in prayer for others as a king and a priest? Man, take that authority up. I think I'm going to do a series on the authority of a believer. So, oh, we heard all that. Yeah, but are you doing it? Then I'll let you... Then, then you do the series. And I'll sit out there. <laughs> but we need we need to be reminded from time to time. That have you, are you taking your place of authority? Do you even know you've got a place of authority? Or have you got a pauper mentality with a kingly robe? Well, I can't do much. My prayers won't really matter that much, Pastor. After all, I mean, I'm just... You know i'm just a regular person well last time i looked we were all regular people until god made us kings and priests new creations in christ jesus raised us up together set us in heavenly places the last i saw we were all regular people except for that see that's that pauper mentality your prayers make a difference church This is why we encourage you, you know, when we have our our corporate prayer. Come out and pray with us. Your prayers make a difference, a mighty difference. So are you using your right of authority in prayer for others? And then lastly, schedule part of your prayer time to intercede for your family, for your nation. And as the Holy Spirit might impress you, learn to pray in the Spirit. Amen. You say... I don't pray in the Spirit. Well, you can. Amen. If you just receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And He comes upon you to empower you. And one of the ways He empowers you is to give you the ability to speak from divine utterances by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, it's awfully, awfully good. Wonderfully, wonderfully good. Amen. I've been doing it for almost 50 years. Some of you have been doing it longer than that probably. But it sure is good, isn't it? Can I get a witness? Anybody else pray that way? Yeah. It's good stuff. So I'm going to pray now. We're talking about prayer and the royal law of love. Church, this is the place of power in the church. This is the place where we exercise our authority. This is the place where we look the most like Jesus as intercessors you know you don't have to feel like you got to take the weight of the world on your shoulders we're not saying that but start with your family just start with your family maybe just take one you say man I'm telling you you just don't know the mess my family's in well listen the Bible says where sin did abound Grace does much more abound. The problem with is you got you God's going to use you as an intercessor to get that grace to the one who needs it. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word.